This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 102, and it is a selection of some of wrestling's most romantic theme songs. And today I am joined by a newcomer here on the show. She is a journalist and interviewer for DigitalSpy.com, as well as a contributor for WrestleTalk TV. She also has her own YouTube channel and is an occasional host on the Grapple Spotlight podcast. It's Stephanie Chase. Hello, Stephanie. Hey, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Definitely. Um, you know, a few months ago when I had Benno on the show, he told me afterwards, you got to get Stephanie on. She's a big fan of the show. And, and lo and behold, a few months later, here you are. And, and I appreciate you being here, too, because, you know, between your own stuff and Digital Spy and, and Russell Talk and whatever, you're a busy person. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that Benno was like my fairy godmother for getting me on. So I'll have to give <laughs> Benno a big thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so since it's your first time on the show here, I'll ask you this, Stephanie. How did you become a wrestling fan? Um, I discovered wrestling pretty much by accident. So I'm from the UK and I discovered it because uh, WCW Nitro used to air on a channel called TNT, which came on television after Cartoon Network went dark for the night. And yeah, my, my brother was obsessed with Cartoon Network. That was all he'd watch. And one day he just left the TV on and there came Nitro and that was me hooked <laughs> from there. And has music played a big part in your fandom at all? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I love wrestling themes. I have wrestling theme playlists on my phone, and yeah, and it was kind of due to wrestling that my music taste uh, changed as a teenager. Uh, quite st- strange story, but I was a huge fan of The Undertaker uh, when I was um growing up and that led me to thinking what kind of music would the undertaker like which led me to music that the undertaker probably doesn't like but what i thought he would like when i was um young (laughs) which was a a lot of 80s goth bands um (laughs) like susie and the banshees the cure sisters of mercy and yeah i was a, a teenage goth who was inspired by the undertaker so i took the American badass shift in his character harder than anyone else that that affected (laughs) me negatively the most finding out what that man was actually into just broke my heart how dare he betray Robert Smith and Susie Sue how how dare he (laughs) (laughs) I know so he he went with like the when I was when I was young and it very much in the in the goth scene um the kind of modern bands that us us goths liked were more sensitive bands like placebo and to find out that that the undertaker liked kid rock and limp biscuit judging by his latter entrance music it was, it was the ultimate betrayal ultimate betrayal i had to cancel the goth wedding i had planned between the two <laughs> of us 
Well, I know that for the video package for uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at Mania 26, they did use a placebo song, mm-hmm. their cover of Running Up That Hill. So there was some crossover there, Stephanie. You, you did get that at least. Yeah, that was very strange for me when that happened, actually, because uh, my whole time, you know, I was a huge placebo fan, like fan club member style fan, scrapbook making style fan. And then when they used that song, it was a weird, like worlds collide universe moment where I just thought, oh, this is the Undertaker reaching out to me to make amends um, for the whole Kid Walk Limp Biscuit fiasco, <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, Stephanie, uh, as we all know, uh, Valentine's Day right around the corner here, and uh, I figured it's the perfect time to talk about some romantic, or in some cases, sexy wrestling (laughs) themes, which, you know, we've covered here and there in various episodes, but we've never talked about them for their own episode. And when I was preparing for this episode and looking back, I realized there are quite a few of them, actually. You know, I picked five to talk about for today, but there are a ton of wrestling themes throughout history that are romantic or sexy in nature. And that's because there have been just a ton of, you know, romantic or sexy gimmicks in wrestling throughout history. Um, Everyone from Rick Rude to Shawn Michaels to Val Venus, uh, Scarlett Bordeaux, Mandy Rose, uh, the world's largest love machine, Viscera, you know, the the list goes on and on and on. Um, Or as well, wrestling couples, Uh, you know, Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, or Edge and Lita, or Cody and Brandy, or what have you. So... I think that really speaks to just how ingrained romance and love and sex and sex appeal is in pro wrestling there, Stephanie, especially American wrestling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the first things that hooked me onto wrestling was actually Randy and Elizabeth. And I didn't even watch their good period. I watched their WCW period when they were already divorced and she was, you know, fooling around with Ric Flair, but I, I was drawn into that storyline. So yeah, romance and wrestling uh, has always, <laughs> has always got me. Yeah. I mean, the old adage is that pro wrestling is the male soap opera. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, then there's bound to be romance in some way, right? I mean, <laughs> and as you've seen throughout the years in wrestling, there's been quite a bit of romance, whether you know good or bad, tasteful or cringy. Um, you know, romance, love, sex, it's part of wrestling. Um, I mean, we just had on Dynamite last week a wedding between Kip and Penelope. Um, it went astray, as all wrestling weddings seem to do. <laughs> but uh, that's just one example of what we're talking about there, Stephanie. It's amazing that weddings and wrestling are, are still a draw. And that one wasn't the most maybe memorable wedding. But <laughs> yeah, weddings and wrestling just some, somehow go together. Yeah, I remember in my early years of being a fan... Uh, the first wrestling wedding I ever saw was the one between Kane and Lita, which to an 11-year-old was pretty crazy because uh, <laughs> Kane was marrying Lita because she was pregnant with his demon baby. And then Kane chokeslammed Matt Hardy off the stage and he forcefully married Lita. So it was pretty wild for a young kid to see and maybe skewed my relationship towards weddings a little bit there. But <laughs> yeah, there, there's just been so much craziness over the years in regards to wrestling weddings and romantic storylines. A lot of them pretty messed up. Um, But that's the wacky world of wrestling there, Stephanie, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, the first wrestling wedding I remember was when The Undertaker tried to make Stephanie marry him in a black wedding. Oh, yes. (laughs) And that was very strange for me because that was very much the height of me being in love with the undertaker so him kidnapping a girl called stephanie and making her marry him i was just sitting watching going 
why is she annoyed though you know what's her problem this is this <laughs> a dream come true um and then the older I got like the most the more I realized how wrong that was it kind of reminds me of before the undertaker I was uh, very into Alan Rickman for his portrayal of the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood and that was another instance where I, I couldn't get why the forced wedding was a problem and now as a growing adult I realize that forced weddings are not <laughs> something that should be happening at all. <laughs> Let's get to these themes here. Uh, like I said, we have five to talk about today, and I deliberately chose songs that did not all sound the same, because I could have picked, you know, five saxophone songs easily, but I wanted to get some variety in here with the type of romantic themes. Um, unfortunately, Stephanie, I'm sorry to say this, but Jay White's theme, not on the list today. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a big fan of the guy, I know that, but he doesn't have the most romantic song in the world there, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's not very romantic. I don't think it's very uh, good either. It's not <laughs> a, much of a standout theme. I must admit, Jay White's theme is not not the best. Yeah, sorry, Jay, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start off here in the Attitude Era of WWF with sexual chocolate Mark Henry, who wasn't just a ladies' man, but actually a sex addict. So yeah, classy right off the bat here. <laughs> uh, Mark Henry as sexual chocolate just found himself enamored with many different women, uh, including, of course, Mae Young. His theme as Sexual Chocolate can be found on WWF The Music Volume 4. It's by Jim Johnston featuring Stephen Swan, and it's just called Sexual Chocolate. It's sexual, baby. And I want to give it all to you. Yeah, right on. I'm right here for you. I know it's gonna be good to you. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, baby. Baby, it's time that you know my love is growing. My love is growing. And I just can't pretend anymore. Cause my love is Sexual babe. Oh, I want to give it all to you. Yeah. So, the first song out of the gate, and we are right in the thick of it here with this one. Uh, this is R&B, slow jam goodness. Got the funky guitar, the piano going, the deep, soulful vocals that are just dripping with passion. Of course, evoking the stylings of Barry White, who is one of the all-time great romantic soul singers. So, a perfect choice there. And, you know, looking at the era here, this is really one of the more standout themes of its day, where so much of it is just, you know, rock guitars and hip-hop and aggression and all that stuff. But this doesn't have any of that, so it's quite unique there, Stephanie. Yeah, it's very unique, very memorable. I remember the whole sexual chocolate era of Mark Henry <laughs> um, very, very well. Even... Just before he was sexual chocolate, when he first, you know, tried tried to get with China, um, I remember that. And this theme is kind of burned in my brain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Barry White is 
definitely like a huge influence in this. Um, I wrote that it reminded me of Barry White's Can't Get Enough of Your Love, but it kind of doesn't kick in with the fun as much after the talking. It's kind of all more, um, you know, not as not as upbeat at all as that theme or that song. Sorry. Yeah, it definitely falls in line with that song or other R and B love songs where it's it, it's blunt, but it's not explicit. Like the song is straight up saying. Listen, baby, it's sexual. I'm here for you. It's going to feel so good. I'm down on my knees. It's sexual. It's sexual. It's sexual. Like, it's so obvious what the deal is here. But it never goes over the line into graphic territory. It keeps it classy. Uh, which, again, given its 99-2000 Attitude Era, not the classiest time period. So it's a breath of fresh air, I think, Stephanie. Yeah, I, I asked myself, would I in the mood here if a man played this to me perhaps on Valentine's Day or even sang it to me um, and my answer was absolutely not like, I would <laughs> run a mile uh, it the way it just goes on and on and is so the way his voice is it just gave me an impression of really boring trying to be hard romantic sex that might be coming from sexual chocolate Mark Henry <laughs> I doubt that's what he was going for though <laughs> But yeah, it's very sexual, and they say it over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that was the gimmick. I mean, you know, Mark Henry, the sex addict, that was the gimmick. So they're going to hammer it home quite a bit there. And um, unfortunately, that meant, you know, with Mark Henry, he had some less than classy moments himself uh, that played out with, you know, China and the transvestite, or claiming he slept with, you know, his own sister at one point. Yep. Uh, he did say that. Um, or, uh, most famously, uh, Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Uh, so the actual storylines were rather uncouth, shall we say. But uh, at least with this theme song, it did stay true to its genre and kept it a little bit, you know, a little bit nicer, a little, little bit more tame there, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I did have a read over um, some of the lyrics. And my favorite was Stop All These Games We Play, which I thought was a direct, directly aimed at China, who was previously dating the game Triple H. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, who knows? Who knows? Um, so we'll take a, a hard left turn here, away from Attitude Era WWF, to 2010's New Japan Pro Wrestling, and look at the theme of Yujiro Takahashi. Not the one he has right now, Harlem Knights, the one he had before then, when he was Mr. Rated R. He had this from 2013 to 2016. Uh, this is by Inosuke Kitamura off of NJPW Greatest Music 2. It's called All Night Long.
So, as someone who is just so used to the current Yujiro theme, Harlem Nights, this put a giant smile on my face, because I love this song so much. I get why they changed it, but to me, this song just rules. And it's all about those two big elements. You've got the sultry female vocal sample, Come on! Oh! Body! That is just so titillating. And you've got the sexy saxophone in there too, just blowing up a storm. It's not what I'd call romantic, per se, uh, but it's just, it's so naughty and sexual and fun, and I'm just sad he no longer has it, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, there's a lot going on in this song. A, a lot, like many <laughs> different genres. It's like Yujiro is trying every genre he can to impress this lady and it is clearly working because we get some massive uh, moans throughout, but especially at the end. Yeah, there's that, that breakdown section halfway through where everything just drops out and there's the lone saxophone and the female vocals. Ah, oh, body, body. It, it, it's proper sexy good time music, uh, especially with that combination. Because there are, you know, those type of vocals in Yujiro's current theme too. You make me feel so good. That was amazing. But they're surrounded by those dingy guitar riffs. Da -da 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 -da. And it's all icky and gross. This is much more upbeat and colorful and playful. Yeah, definitely. I did have a wonder about this woman moaning noise, whether it was a Guns N' Roses Rocket Queen style situation. Ah, yes. Or something might have been absolutely, <laughs> may have been really happening there with Yujiro. <laughs> but <laughs> if so, though, like she's pretty enthusiastic, but not as enthusiastic as uh, Axel Rose's girl. <laughs> but I, I could imagine this having a really good music video and I'd like it to be a song with with lyrics actually I, I kind of want more from it I want like to see what the actual lyrics could be written to this yeah it's very provocative that's for sure that, that's the right word I think um, I just wish you know they didn't change it um, but like I said earlier I get why they did because you know originally Yujiro from 2013 to 2016 or whatever he was Mr. Rated R all night long he had the, the short blonde hair, the towel, um, the pink tights pre-Bullet Club, and then the women, of course, too. He was still, like, a ladies' man, but not an actual pimp yet. So this, you know, fun, sensual song worked for that character. But later on, when he became a pimp, and he had the cane and grew his hair out and so forth, that's when his character became darker and seedier and, and slimier. And his current theme song works a lot better for this iteration of Yujiro. But... Side by side, if I had to choose, it's no contest. I'm picking this song every time. Yeah, I I prefer this song as well. There was just um there's so many bits in it that just surprised me, like the the saxophone bit, the kind of porno soundtrack, and then just a, a weird bit that sounded like we will lock you in there as well. Yeah, it's not just the saxophone. Uh there's also that rock section at the beginning with the fast-paced guitars. It's not like Val Venus's theme, where it's all saxophone. Um, here's something else about this song that I just uh, discovered recently. Uh, there's a band called Brockhampton that's like an alt-hip-hop band, and they have a song called Boogie. And apparently, they sampled part of the saxophone in this song for theirs. I'll play a little bit of it here. Yeah! 
breakfast today What type of words are forbidden to say I need to let my hair down and grow up like a real ass bitch A real ass bitch, bitch What type of rules for breakfast today What type of words are forbidden to say I need to let my hair down and grow up like a real ass bitch So that's another Mark in the Wind column for this theme, I guess You know, it's not just a great theme But it broke through to pop culture there, Stephanie yeah, that was very interesting when I learned about that sample and like tried to spend some time researching if they were actually New Japan fans and what was going on, but I couldn't find any definitive proof. Just a lot of people with the same question as me. But yeah, that's pretty cool. But New Japan themes to me are so so good musically it doesn't surprise me that they would be sampled by an actual artist yeah if you look at the youtube comments for this theme it's just brockhampton references one after another uh which is fun to see um weird though that it's yujiro of all people who has a song breakthrough and not like okada or tanahashi um but good for yujiro i guess (laughs) he gets a win finally so you know good for him So we've played a few singles themes so far. Let's play a theme for an actual couple, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis, who are known as Mike and Maria Kanellis in WWE. Their theme song is by CFOs featuring Kit. It's called True Love. his soft side. Monster Ballads, a two-CD set available for just $19.99. <laughs> so this is the power ballad for the power couple. Plenty of big emotional guitar licks and powerful rock vocals. The cloying lyrics, keep me warm like a roaring fire. Touch the flame just to know what it feels like. Because when they ask me if the fire's going to eat us alive, I tell them I think we'll be just fine. Here's to the greatest, greatest love I've ever known. I'm burning up in your love. And that's it. Those are all the lyrics. So, not quite the creative dynamo, uh, but does it fit the characters of Mike and Maria, this couple who are madly in love? Yes, it does. Is it annoyingly catchy? Yes, it is. So, I don't mind this one all that much there, Stephanie. Yeah, I really liked this song, except for the fact that it does suffer from the problem that every CFO song suffers from, where it's just on a loop. It's like the first minute or so, just on a loop. Um, I really felt like, given the the opening, that it reminded me a lot of White Snake, Still of the Night, but just like a part 
of a White Snake song. Because um, if you think of that song or it's some White Snake song, it sometimes they sound like three songs in one or something with everything that's going on. And this was just the usual CFOs where it sounds like a bit of a song that's just been been isolated. So I feel like, you know, whoever this is meant to be, whether it's meant to be Mike singing to Maria or Maria singing to Mike, they they don't maybe have the same passion that David Coverdale has, but it's still there. <laughs> yeah, I just picture this song in like a montage where a, a couple are doing a couple things, walking on the beach, holding hands, having a picnic, slow dancing. That's the visual I get with this song. Um, so it's definitely not like a sexy song a la Sexual Chocolate or All Night Long. It leans more into the romance, the lovey-dovey stuff. But like with those two songs, it does its job well. It evokes what it's meant to evoke. The problem, though, I agree with you, is that like with other CFO themes, there should be a second verse here to add a little bit more variety and spice to it and not just be the same verse, chorus, verse, chorus over and over and over again. But, you know, it is what it is, Stephanie. Yeah, it's, I've always thought what's weird about CFOs is, you know, they go to the trouble of using them, you know, these music producers, and instead of Jim Johnson, and they bring in these singers, but then they don't make as complete songs as Jim Johnson did. So I'm kind of just like, why, why, are, you, why are you using them if not to make, you know, complete songs that you could try and actually sell as proper songs? Because every single CFO song is the same that you just it just stops it just stops and starts repeating again and it's it's very annoying like they're they're very good but it's very annoying well they're not around anymore so you don't have to worry about them I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I do want to give a shout out to Kit uh, not the car from Knight Rider uh, <laughs> Kit Williams is the singer here uh He's on a bunch of CFO themes of uh, varying styles. Uh, Solomon Crow, Rich Swan, The Revival, The B Team, Social Outcasts, Mauro Ranallo, Hype Bros. Um, of course, all those themes are gone now, but he did have a nice little resume of themes in WWE there for a little bit. And he's a pretty good singer, too. You know, his vocals on this song are right on point there, Stephanie. Yeah, he definitely is a very good singer. I When I was listening to this today, there were... There were when he got to the, the the greatest love bit. That was you know when you're singing, um, along out loud, and then something like a note that you realize you can't hit without shouting and waking up the whole building <laughs> happens. So you just have to mouth it and go into lip syncing. That's what happened to me when I tried to sing along to this song today. <laughs> yeah, that that that's me in the car. Uh, even though I'm alone, I realize oh I can't hit that note. A little too high for me there, so I have to lip sync it. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, looking back, this song might be the only good thing about Mike and Maria's run in WWE. Because, you know, between Mike going into rehab and Maria getting pregnant and the cuck angle and pretty much doing nothing of note, all things considered, and then getting released back in April, it really wasn't the top run by any stretch. No, they had such an unfortunate time because they both really made a name for themselves you know Maria someone we we all remember from before and then she ended up in Ring of Honor meaning Mike going to even going to New Japan and they they did have this great gimmick together that WWE just seemed to it's just one of those things where then WWE takes someone that's make, made a name for themselves somewhere else 
signs him with a good gimmick and then completely misunderstands and massacres like the whole gimmick and what made them good in the first place so yeah totally unfortunate run for mike and maria Mm. but you know mike's back in roh now with matt taven and seems to be a lot happier so you know good for him and maria for landing on their feet yeah, good for him. And Maria seems great. She looked great at the at Talking Shopamania recently as well, despite just having another baby. So they, they both seem to be probably happier outside of WWE. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network well uh, let's wind the clocks back again and head on down to wcw one of their mainstays in the mid-card division there in the mid to late 90s was the young German sensation Das Wunderkind Alex Wright, who not only loved to wrestle, but he loved to dance as well. Uh, so much so, he would get a tag team with Disco Inferno called the Dancing Fools, later on known as the Boogie Knights. Uh, now, this song was not Alex Wright's theme, but it was a special song made just for him, that can be found on the album WCW Christmas Brawl. It's by Jimmy Hart, J.J. McGuire, and R. Yankee, featuring Alex Wright. It's called 
Heartbeat Away. So Alex Wright's theme in WCW, his actual theme, was a song called Warped Mind, and that was of the techno variety. This one going for a similar vibe, that, that 90s Eurodance style, which, given that Alex Wright is a German fellow who likes to dance, makes a ton of sense there, I think. Uh, I'm just enraptured by the song. It's so 90s, you got the Eurodance, you got the female vocalist in the chorus, he's just a heartbeat away. He's just a heartbeat away, which I love. And you've got Alex Wright rapping, which is fun. Um, even the beginning with the Alex, Alex stuff makes me smile, Stephanie. It's a pure delight. Yeah, this song was a delight. I'd never heard this before. And I was, I've run through many different emotions listening to it. All, all good. There's some confusion in there as well. It's a, another song where there's a lot going on. And a lot to kind of get your head around. At the beginning, it took me quite a while to realize that she was saying Alex, 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 which <laughs> I, I don't know what I thought she was saying, but the beginning of it reminded me of um, a great 80s track, Two of Hearts by Stacey Q, the beginning where she says, I, 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 I need you. Like, that's what the beginning of this made me think of. Um, but then we went straight into some talk rapping German accented vocals oh, oh but... don't get me wrong don't don't get me wrong this is not like top shelf rap here at all or even medium shelf this is <laughs> like you said you know talk rapping because look god bless Alex Wright he is not a hip-hop groove master by any stretch um but at the same time it's kind of endearing because the whole song just feels so innocent and wholesome in a way like it's not a dark sensual turn out the lights kind of song it's not even as passionate as true love is it's just so light in comparison and that's evident with the lyrics too which are about this girl getting out of a bad relationship and getting back on her feet and back into a life of love with the help of alex wright wipe those tears up off your face just like that he can be replaced you're tired of hearing all those lies silly excuses and alibis he tried to put you on the shelf but you can carry on yourself you don't need a helping hand to find yourself a real man. Pull yourself together, girl. It's time to step out in the world. I'll help you get on your feet, and I will ensure you feel the heat. Listen to the music play. Together, we can find our way. Come with me and take my hand. Forever, I'm your loving man. So there is that, that romance and that heat and loving stuff in there for sure, but it's just as sweet and motivational and uplifting as it is romantic, Stephanie. Yeah, I find the lyrics 
kind of confusing because I was wondering, you know, the woman that's singing there too and saying that Alex Wright is just a heartbeat away. I, I had many questions over who who is she? Who is this woman that is advocating um, that Alex Wright is the man for the woman he's singing about? You know, I wondered if she was uh, like a, a best friend or a sister or an ex-girlfriend that just, you know, thinks he's a really great guy, but wasn't one for her. But yeah, I'd never thought about Alex Wright potentially being, you know, my hero or, or something that could really change my life and take me away. And But now after listening to these lyrics, I'm just like, yeah, Alex Wright seems like a great guy. Yeah, I mean, he just comes across so well, for sure. Um, strange, though, how he never used it as an actual theme. It was only on the album. Because you would think, like, it would be a no-brainer to make this song and have him come out to it for his entrance and, and dance to it. But I guess they never did. So a real missed opportunity there, Stephanie. Yeah, I think so. This would have been a really great theme. Like, I remember watching Alex Wright on Nitro. He's one of the people from that era that if you watched him, you'll never forget Alex Wright. And I can imagine if they brought this song in, they could have just had a great like gimmick for him as this amazing um, German heartthrob. I think I can imagine like, you know, girls in the choir just like holding their heart and looking at Alex Wright while this plays. Yeah, yeah, it would have been perfect for sure. Um, this album, uh, Christmas Brawl, is also a bit strange because it has a bunch of theme songs from the era. Uh, DDP, American Males, Conan, Nasty Boys, Public Enemy. Um, but it was only available in Germany on the Christmas Brawl tour or with the German WCW fan club. Um, which explains why they put Alex Wright on the cover, I guess. <laughs> um, but that was the only way you could get it um, until internet sharing and whatnot. Uh, and WWE did put out a bunch of these songs on their own compilation album eventually a few years ago. But this is one of the few albums that WCW ever put out. And it was only in Germany. So it's quite the rarity there, Stephanie. <laughs> That's amazing that they thought so highly of Alex Wright that for a German tour, they made a whole album to sell to their German fans? Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the last theme of the episode here, it will take us back to WWE, 2002 WWE to be exact, and it's another couple's theme, Billy and Chuck. Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo were part of a tag team together, along with their personal stylist, Rico, and Billy and Chuck were set up to be gay lovers. That was the story, uh, to the point where they decided to get married on TV. Of course, it turns out they weren't actually gay. The whole thing was just a publicity stunt. And the whole thing ended with the priest pulling off a latex mask, revealing himself to be Eric Bischoff, and then three-minute warning came and attacked Billy and Chuck, which did not please the GLAD organization one bit. Uh, but regardless, Billy and Chuck's theme is by Jim Johnston, featuring Michael Fredo, off of WWE Anthology. This is You Look So Good To Me. You, you look so good to me.
So a few months ago, I did an episode about WWE Uncaged 14, and one of the songs on that album that I featured is the Rico and Charlie Haas version of the song with the wild guitar solos. And I said back then that I love this song in all forms, and I stand by that because this song is just plain awesome. I will always go to bat for this song. I love the vocal harmonies. I love the mix between the rock guitars and the synths. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where I love rock, I love metal, I love intense wrestling themes, but goddammit, I love a good catchy pop song too, and this is a pretty damn catchy pop song, Stephanie. Yeah, absolutely. When, you know, you first said to me romantic themes, the first one I thought of was Billy and Chuck. You look so good to me. <laughs> um, it's, you know, quite like the sexual chocolate theme. It's one of those themes that you'll never forget once you, you hear it. It's it's cheesy, but it's it's really good. And, you know, you can't hear it without thinking about the whole Billy and Chuck storyline and their characters. Um, but, yeah, it's a great theme. Whoever's singing it, they're, it sounds so earnestly that I believe that there are real feelings involved here yeah you're right it just goes full bore with the love and emotion it's it's so tangible and that's part of what makes it interesting i think because billy and chuck known for being the the gay tag team this song the way it sounds the way it's sung yeah not your typical manly man masculine aggressive sounding song so to 2002 ears and with wrestling being as stereotypical as it is uh, if you give it to a gay tag team sure it won't sound out of place But, if you listen closely, you can hear him say girl a bunch of times in the song. You make me want to hold you. You make me lose control, girl. At the beginning, he says, here we go, girl. You're my baby. So there's a bit of a contradiction there between Billy and Chuck, the gay tag team with Rico, and their theme song, which is showing love and affection towards a girl. It's kind of strange, Stephanie. Yeah, that actually threw me. It took me to like properly listen intensely on headphones to hear the girl in it. And I had to stop and think, are they saying girl? But yeah, I guess it's kind of, that's kind of the beginning of Billy and and Chuck before they could maybe, um, you know, properly admit their feelings for each other. Or I think it was Chuck that first admitted his feelings for Billy, maybe. But yeah, it did, the girl thing did throw me, but you know, that's, that's pop music. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pop, pop music has been very heteronormative for a long, a long time. Those barriers need to be broken and it wasn't about to be done by Billy and Chuck's team. <laughs> I guess not. No. Um, well, later on, actually, when Rico became a solo act on Raw with Miss Jackie, he used a new version of this theme called The Runway. And that one took out all the lyrics except for, oh, baby, you look so good to me. And, you know, given that Rico was also meant to be gay, that's a good change. The song makes a lot more sense now. But then when they did the whole Santina Morella gimmick, they went back to the original version of the song with all the lyrics and references to girls. So there's a kind of a weird journey with this one where some guys use the full version, some guys don't, but... It's never been used in a scenario where, say, I don't know, a heterosexual wrestler has like a lover boy or a heartthrob gimmick, Stephanie. I'm sure glad we're thrilled when they removed the the girl reference. I'm sure that made up for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The guy singing this, Michael Fredo, 
I don't think that's a name most people would know. I looked him up. He's a former teen pop singer, the nephew of Tommy Hilfiger. He toured with Britney Spears on the Baby One More Time tour, and one of his songs went to number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100. And uh, nowadays, he does stuff for like movies, TV commercials. But to me, this song is the clear high point of his career, Stephanie. That's for sure. Yeah, I looked him up too, and I I saw that he was the nephew of Tommy Hilfiger. And then when I read his biography, it was like, you know, he toured with Britney Spears on a tour sponsored by Tommy Jeans. He sang a song for Tommy uh, Fragrance ad campaign. So he's definitely had some assistance in his music (laughs) career. I don't know if any, if there's a relationship between Tommy Hilfiger and WWE or perhaps the Billy and Chuck theme was the one career high point that he truly earned by himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I would like to say if, uh, there is a great cover of this by Cesaro that you can find by Googling Cesaro singing, You Look So Good To Me. He, he does a great <laughs> version. <laughs> I'll look it up after this, definitely. You, you look so good to me. <laughs> okay, keep it going, girl. You're my baby. Oh, yeah. Keep it going. I cannot turn my eyes away. <laughs> Come on! I hang on every word you say. <laughs> you make me want to hold to you. You make me wait, lose control. You make my heart and soul complete. Yes. Oh, baby, you! Wait, I missed a cue. You're great. Good to be. <laughs> From the top of the Swiss Alps. Sorry, sorry, you had you to hear You turned that. into the winner this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, that was awesome. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. This was just a ton of fun. A very different episode, I think, uh, given all the the nice, lovely feelings floating around as opposed to just rage and kick ass. But still, this was so much fun and you were great. So thank you. Thanks so much, Andrew. I, I had a great time. It was so great going back to some of those themes that I have really deep memories of, especially Mark Henry and Billy and Chuck. <laughs> uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase, and my YouTube channel is Stephanie Chase Wrestling. I do a live show about AW every Friday um, evening, so if you want to come check that out and talk about AW, which is what I enjoyed it the most. That's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and all my work you can find on my Twitter. I link to everything. Okay. And Music of the Met is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Met. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, You can do so at the VOW Discord. 
That's voicesofrustling.com slash discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do just that. Just go to voicesofrustling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Stephanie, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks, Andrew. All right, for Stephanie Chase, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. There's a reason for the sunshine sky, and there's a reason why I'm feeling so high must be the season when that love light shines all around us. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.